the garden. That place that we would enjoy unashamed intimacy, fearless love and confidence in his goodness, where his smile illuminates the darkest of corners. Shadows don't exist. That place we were made for, meant for. The center of his heart, where not only are we lavished by his unending affection, but the place where our hearts can accept that drink without the hiding, without the shame, unable to see anything but his beauty, our own. Hey y'all, welcome to the Braveheart Podcast and welcome to the garden. Um, Our heart behind this podcast is to produce gospel-centered content that helps people who are feeling stuck in their relationship with the Lord or stuck in sin or they feel stuck and hindered from growing up into Christ-likeness. And The Garden is a 12-week series that we're just now starting where we will be going back to The Garden and exploring the gospel message from the very beginning. Um, This is the first episode So stay tuned for the next 12 weeks. And if you haven't already, please subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes because they will kind of build on each other. So this is the very first one. And for the next 11 weeks, we'll be posting the rest. So enjoy. Let's let's just read it. I want to read it slow because I feel like in the church, we've often jumped right to the fall of man, uh, but we didn't actually study the glory. So it's going to take some time for us to slow down and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What was the glory? Um, So he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, verse 28. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Um, and verse 31, and God saw that everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Um, and let's, let's jump into Genesis chapter two. Uh, and then we're going to see the creation of Adam here. Um, and so just stay with me. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the, on the land, And there was no man to work the ground, and mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Watch this. Then the Lord formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. 
and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted, say planted. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say he just created or spoke it. He actually planted the Garden of Eden. Like he took care, like this is a romantic God. He, he literally planted a garden to put a man in. He didn't just speak it and say, hey, you know, let's just, I'm going to speak it like everything else. He planted it. That's cool to me. I've done some planting. That takes time, takes intentionality. And there he put the man whom he had formed. So he, like picture this. He, he takes this dust, he breathes upon it. It's in the image of God. So he fashions this dirt in his own image. You got to picture this. Like this is so intimate. And he takes it so close to his face and he, and he breathes. And the man takes in a breath and then man breathes out. And then man has been breathing ever since. And so he's got this like, he's got this intimate creature. Now let me ask you, did Adam in that moment have a rebellious, sinful bone in his body? It's perfection. Because God created him, right? If he was created with a sinful bone in his body, then God would have put the sinful bone in his body. Are you guys with me? It's really important. He, he was pure and undefiled. He was, he was God's best of creation. Like it's the pinnacle of all his creation. Think about this. No other creature that he formed could have housed the breath of God. They, it wouldn't have fit because, because man was made in the image of God. It's like, it's like if my, my wife is five foot you know, three and she's, a, she's 100 pounds, if I tried to get into my wife, I wouldn't fit, right? Because she, she's smaller than me. <laughs> and so like God, like he looks at a you know, lion or he looks at these things that represent aspects of his nature, but he wouldn't fit in there. He wouldn't fit in those vessels. So he created a vessel that was fit to carry himself, to carry his image, to carry his breath. And so there was this, I want you to see that there was this deep connection and pleasure that God had. And he said over man, he says, man, that's very good. Like, very good. And when God looked at man, this is, this is part of the glory that we're talking about. When God looked at man, there was nothing inside of God that was disappointed, frustrated, or just waiting for him to screw up. We have to, we have to look at this, guys. In the church, we've jumped to the fall. We, we, we've just jumped straight past to when, when Adam and Eve, well, God knew they were going to fall, and, and so he was just waiting for them to, to screw up. Was he? Like, was he? Do you see that? Do you see him planting a garden and doing all this intimate work and just be like, all right, he's going to fold his arms and sit back. And he's like, I know they're going to screw up. And so it's just not the picture. And this is important. This is really important. So let's keep reading. So, so he put... Uh, verse 9, he planted the garden and he put the man whom he had formed in that garden. Verse 9... And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to make a quick note here. Um, God values beauty. 
he says here that, that he, he caused them to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight. That's beautiful. God values beauty. God, God made beautiful things so that when man looked at it, he would go, wow, that's beautiful. And we live in a day where there's a corruption and a perversion of beauty. And I, I feel like one of the highest values of the kingdom and part of the, the, the garden story and what we're meant to be brought back into is an innocence where we can look at things and people and life and go and recognize the beauty of God. Because here's my vision for us. My vision is that, that by the Spirit of God and through the gospel, like you may not like your circumstances where you're at, but God's going to cause things to spring up and for you to recognize beauty in your life. It's, it's, the, it's the nature of the gospel and the goodness of God. It's no matter what your circumstances are now, He's going to cause beauty to spring up in your life. And you're going to go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that was there. I've got five kids. Like I, I live in this tension all of the time. Like I'm living in prayers that I prayed for 10 years ago. But you think about that. Like I'm, I'm living in the answers to prayers I prayed 10 years ago. And like a loving father some years ago, God was like, son, he told me that. He said, I was, I was feeling discontent. How many of you, like, you get in a place and you're just like, I'm discontent, you know? And I was feeling that discontentment. And he said, son, you're living in answered prayers that you prayed. And he started to show me times I prayed for a family and for a wife and for kids. And what had happened was my perspective was off and I wasn't enjoying the beauty of my kids because life gets hard and you start working and ministry can get hard and you start working and you lose the beauty of your season. And that's one of the evidences that you're living with a perspective that's been skewed by the fall of man is that you stop recognizing beauty. It's really important. Like you stop being amazed like childlike innocence at beauty. God values beauty. He values it. And it's hard to convey, but it's all over the scriptures. Um, so check this out. So this is where it gets a little, a little gnarly. Um, so, so you've got the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it talks about the rivers, uh, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So this is interesting. In this beautiful place of fellowship, a command comes forth, and he says, hey, there's this one tree, and it's the knowledge of good and evil. Now, we're going we're gonna to dive deep into this in a minute. Um, but the knowledge of good and evil was literally a tree that when they would eat of it, it would give them the knowledge of good and evil. Um, it's profound, right? But I think it's important because, again, we're going we're gonna to look at the fall in a second. But the fall we have made about man's rebellion. We've made it about man's sin. And, and the fall primarily is about the knowledge of good and evil. And yes, there was a transgression of the command. But it's really important that you see that. That, that the command comes in the midst of this place of fellowship and intimacy. So watch this, verse 18. Then the Lord God said... It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. This is amazing. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field 
and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. So here you see the first picture of of God co-laboring with man in creation. This is so cool. This is part of the glory that we're being brought back to is that Adam's co-laboring with God and he's actually, God's making things. Picture this for a second. Like just, you got to slow down and let your heart and mind go into the text. Adam's there and he's walking with God. Can we, can we just like all freak out for a moment? He's walking with God. They're together and they know each other. And like Adam's not feeling like he shouldn't belong there. He, that's all he knows. Adam, Adam doesn't even know. He, he knows nothing other than God in the garden. Like it is so pure and childlike. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put language to glory. You understand it's hard. So like, like we've got to go. We've got to get into the glory of God. So he's there and, and like I want you to picture God. He's like, all right. And he like picks up some dirt and Adam's there and he's like, God's like doing this thing and he's, and he's spitting on it. I don't know because he's got to make mud. You know, it's got to form it somehow. It's got to be kind of muddy and clay. So he takes this and it's like, and all of a sudden God just, he just, you know, forms it and then boom, a sparrow comes out and he like holds it. And God's like, what do you think of this one? And Adam's like, sparrow. He's like, I like that. And he lets him go. Like every creature do you know how many thousands of formed creatures there are? Bird and animal, elephant. Can you imagine him forming an elephant? Adam's like, he just did sparrow and now he's doing elephant. And he's like starting with the pillars of the legs. And Adam's like, oh, watch it. He's just like, wow, what do you, you know, what's this one going to be? You know, and there's just this like amazement. Like, how fun would that be? Like, it's just fun. We got to, we can get out of our religious mindset. Like it's this cool, like God invited Adam into the creation process and was like, Hey, I want you to name these things for me. And he like, and he like makes the elephant and the elephant's like, woo, you know, trumpets this big thing. And Adam's like elephant. That's definitely. And God's like, that's so good. You know, like, think about it though. Like we just jump past all of this stuff. And if we've been redeemed by Jesus, if we've been brought back, like even that term redemption means that we've been, we've been purchased out of something and brought back into something. But like, we don't, man, I feel like we haven't done a good job like of articulating what we've been brought back into to build our faith and our expectation of what we can have in God. Because my faith is that we can have that with God and more. Like if our citizenship is in heaven as new covenant creatures with God, like we have access to the Holy of Holies, like, man, we, we should be enjoying this like innocence with God, this freedom with God. Does that make sense? So, so meditate on these things as you go. Like it, it'll take time, but like renew your mind to the fact that God and man had this like cool, amazing relationship. And just ponder it, just like just like what I did. I like I did it for us here in the group. But like, think about the nuance, and it's from the text, right? I'm not I'm not adding things to the text. He says he formed every creature, and he he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. I mean, how humble is God? How humble is God? Like there was no like. I, I mean, again, I go back to my kids because like there's things where I'm like, man, it's just easier if I do it. 
You know what I'm talking about? Like even as a leader in church or in ministry or your job and you're overseeing people and you can be like, that's just easier if I do it. You think God could have named the animals okay? <laughs> like, do you think, you think Adam maybe named one and God was like, oh, I wouldn't have named it that. Probably not. But you know what I mean? Because he was of the same source. But like, anyway, it's just cool to think about. So look at this. So he names all of the livestock of the birds and every beast of the field. So this took some time. But for Adam, there was not a helper, found a helper fit for him. So that means as he was naming them, they were also looking at the animals going, hey, do you think this one would be a good helper? Ladies, praise God, none of them worked. <laughs> praise God, he, didn't, he wasn't like, yeah, uh, monkey, that'll, that'll be fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, these aren't, they're not fit. Think about that. What was that, what was that vetting process like? What was the vetting process of the animals and the livestock to determine whether or not they would be fit helpers? Because they didn't find one, meaning they were looking amongst the animals to find a helper fit for Adam. Again, the, the, the task at hand was to, to work the garden. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. I want you to picture that, a deep sleep. So God pulls Adam's SIM card out. <laughs> And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Got to just go so slow. Therefore, this is so bizarre that verse 24 and 25 is right here. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and we're not ashamed. So let's, let's go there, okay? Adam passes out. He doesn't know what happens. And when he wakes up, Eve is there. This has got to be the best day of his life next to, next to being formed by God. And, and the first thing he saw, the first thing Adam saw was God. And he, and, he, and he comes to life and all, he just sees God's face. The second thing he sees after passing out is he sees Eve. This like crowning jewel of God's creation coming out of Adam's side. And you know what's so cool and prophetic about this? And I've shared this before. Is that when Jesus hung on that cross and they pierced his side, what came out of his side? Water and blood. And Jesus slept, right, for three days. And when He rose from the grave, His bride was formed through the water and the blood out of His side. It was the birth of His bride when He rose from the dead. It was the birth of His bride. It was the forming. God literally formed the new man out of Christ's side. 
It's so prophetic and it's so beautiful to see this right here, the gospel in the garden. God takes a woman for the man out of the side of the man. He was the first Adam. The second Adam goes to sleep and God takes out of the side of the second Adam the blood and the water and he forms a bride for the second Adam. It's incredible. It's so beautiful and intimate. Like that God would that Jesus would would open his side and go, man, we're born again through blood and through the water and through the spirit. These three testify, John says, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And that's how we're born again. That's how the bride is formed. And so this this picture, it's not too far to say that with Jesus now we're brought back to this place. We're brought back to this place of like, man, I can see you face to face. I encourage you guys. There's a song called Heaven's Knife by Josh Garrels. Um, and he, and he's, I think he wrote it for his wife. Um, and he says, like the first man, I was cut so deep. Uh, but when I awoke from my sleep, uh, my God, she's beautiful. And he starts singing about like this. And I, I think I just butchered the lyrics, but he started singing this song about when he saw his wife for the first time and like, like the first man, he was cut so deep when he saw her, you know? And, and I was listening to that one day. I was driving in into, into work, and I heard the Lord say, this is where he showed me this. He said, he, he started singing it to me. When I awoke from my sleep, then he started beholding humanity with a fresh lens. Why? Because his blood cleansed her. His blood washed her. He says, behold, you're beautiful. Like God's response, Jesus' response to us after he rose from the grave was Adam's response to the woman. You've come from my side. Wow, you're beautiful. You're stunning to me. Oh, finally, finally. So in all of this, I want you to see is that God desired, this is, this is so, the the. The foundation of your faith has to rest on the heart of God and the nature of God and the desire of God. And I want to tell you, because we're going to study this in the fall in the next segment, but, but guys, we, the, the thing that we are battling that you're going to see with the fall of man is our perspective of God got really jacked up. We lost sight of God and we became obsessed with our own nakedness on so many levels. Man, since the fall, has been blinded to the glory of God and he can only see himself. And, and he can see himself with a lens that he was never meant to see himself. And so I want you to know, and we're gonna, I'm going to hop here, I'm going to show you this in Ephesians 1 if you just want to hop there because this is part of the garden. This will be New Covenant. Uh, Ephesians 1, I want you to see, to close this out, I want you to see God's desire for intimacy and for union with you. Because um, if you look back at, the, at the, uh, the graphic here, where we're headed, see if I can pull this back up. Okay, so 
again, we've been talking about the garden. Um, we're going to go to the fall. We're going to see the consequences, how sin unraveled humanity. We're going to see that God started a family with Israel, uh, and He made three promises concerning Jesus. promise of Messiah, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and the promise of His return. Um, and if you look down here, this fourth one, the outcome of faith, is union. Um, these are in order. Um, so you have grace, salvation, righteousness, union, and fruit. I believe there is a divine order. There's a divine structure. Um, when God told Moses to build their tabernacle, he said, I want you to do it according to the pattern that I've shown you, exactly according to the pattern. So their worship, uh, Israel's worship was according to a pattern. Um, I believe sometimes in those patterns, there's types and shadows, and it can be a little bit whatever. But I believe this is a pattern of sorts from the scriptures. Um, but that union, uh, how many of you know we all desire union with God? Like we want that. Um, and even more than that, many of us, we want the fruit that comes from union. So that's the, that's the result of, that's ministry, that's loving people, that's, you know, you mentioning your Uber ministry. That is fruit of your union with God. So any fruit that doesn't stem from union with God is, is man-made. And it won't last, it won't abide. So we were created for that place of union and intimacy so that the fruit that we bear comes from that place. Anything we do uh, to try to accomplish fruit or ministry apart from that place of abiding and intimacy becomes a work that we then feel puffed up and proud about. Does that make sense? And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to stem that because guys, like I said, we live in days where, where people have, have come. I believe Galatians 1 is not too strong of language. Paul says, man, he goes, guys, I'm, I'm astonished that you're deserting the gospel and turning to a different one. He goes, not that there is a different one, but, but some of you, are, you're being troubled by this false gospel. And I want you to, let's be sober for a minute. Guys, that was written in about 60 AD. That means that that letter was written to the church, to people who were alive when Jesus was still around. And they were turning to a different gospel 30 years approximately after Jesus had risen from the grave. Only 30 years. You would think like the very fresh gospel, like it, would, it wouldn't be corrupted so soon. And Paul's he's correcting them. Why? Because they already were in 30 years, were deviating just slightly from the gospel into a works thing, into man's gospel. Paul calls it man's gospel. He goes, man, the gospel I preached to you wasn't man's gospel. He goes, nor did I receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it by revelation of Jesus. And that's my heart, is to bring back the revelation of Jesus. The, the gospel message is not a one-time message for the lost. It is the framework. It is Jesus. It's the operating system in which we grow up into God and we go back to the garden in that place of union. You cannot grow up in God without the gospel. It is, heaven's, it is heaven's discipleship curriculum for you and me to grow up into Christ. You cannot grow up any other way. Like grace, you'll look here. You see grace there? Grace is the power of God that fashions you, that undoes all, that undoes, undoes. It undoes all of sin's work in our life. That's what grace does. But that grace flows, that grace flows from the power of, Oh, did something weird there. That grace flows from the works of Jesus. So I want you to see this. This is really important. I'm going to hop into Ephesians 1 and then we're going to do, we'll, we'll wrap up this, this section. Um, 
the only way, I want you to picture this, grace is like the wind in your sails. The only way you move if you're a sailboat is grace. And that grace here, this is so important, that grace flows from each one of these individual works. There's unique, distinct grace that flows to humanity from the works of Jesus. So what we've done in the church, I believe, is we've, we've proclaimed the first work of the gospel, which is his work as Messiah, which is beautiful, which is amazing. That's our introduction into the kingdom of heaven. That's how we get born again. The problem with that is we've preached one third of the gospel. And so guess what? We have one third of the grace. And then we have one third of the salvation. And then we have one third of the righteousness. And then we have one third of the fruit. And then what we've done is we've orphaned the church after preaching one third of the gospel. We've said, okay, now you're born again. Now you're saved. Now let me usher you into my version of discipleship, which how many of you know there's a hundred discipleship curriculums? There's a thousand ways to grow up in God. There's there's 20 different things to getting your blessing or to becoming mature, to overcoming fear. And I would like to submit to you guys, there's one way, and it's the gospel way. If you study, and, and, and I'm not the brightest star in the sky. I, I, I'm not super like whatever. I know there's a lot like, but if you read your Bible and you study this carefully, you will note that the gospel, that word represents something bigger than just a message to the lost that it was constantly proclaimed to disciples. It was constantly being preached. Like, I'm talking about not for one week, not for two weeks. Paul would preach the gospel for two years to the same group of people for four hours a day. And we ponder and wonder why we don't see the fruit of the early church. He was, he was fashioning them into the image of Christ through the gospel. Are you with me? And so that's why this is so important. So... Um, To close this out, I want to show you this in Ephesians 1. Because the heart of God, the desire of God, is to be one with you and me. And and there's different levels of faith that just spark in your heart as you listen to that. I'll tell you right now, it's one of the hardest things in the world to come to believe that. I'm, I'm not talking about acknowledge that it's true. I'm talking about let the weight of that reality hit your heart. The 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 depth of intimacy that that statement uh indicates the the revelation of the heart of God this is we're, we're just hopping right into the depth of the mystery of the will of God it's his desire to be one with you it's his desire it's why he created man in the garden if God was content by himself he never would have created man he 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 is a God of love and so he wanted to bestow his love upon someone's and he wanted to bring us into that covenant of love that exist in the Godhead forever past, forever for eternity. So watch this in Ephesians 1. We're just going to, we're going to fly through this quick. We don't, we're not going to be able to give it the time uh, that it needs. Um, But we're going to go into it. Ephesians 1 verse 7. uh, And we'll go to verse 10. Uh, Watch this. In Him, that's Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So I'm going to pause right there. you gotta, you got to slow down when you read Paul's stuff because um, it's a, like run-on sentences and he packs a lot of deep things in one sentence. Okay, So I want you to see we have two things. What are the two things we have in Him that He says? 
Yeah, so we have redemption through His blood and we have the forgiveness of our sins. That's awesome. Can we thank God for that? So, so we have that in Him. That's in Jesus. We have two things. We have redemption. Now again, redemption, if you study that word, it speaks of being brought back into something. That's why I'm so passionate about understanding the, the glory that we fell from. Uh, because if you don't understand the glory in that place of intimacy, redemption doesn't mean anything to you. Redemption, it's just a word. It doesn't, have, it doesn't have weight. But redemption means God said, hey, there's a place for you here close to my heart in the garden of my heart that I'm redeeming you back to. See, if you just go buy something, it never belonged to you. God didn't just buy humanity. He redeemed humanity because it belonged to Him in the first place. I want you to see your origin. Your origin is the heart of God and the face of God. Like your origin, where you came from, is just beholding God's face with a massive smile going, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> like that's, your, that's where you belong. That's what you were made for. And that's what He's redeeming us back into. And I'm telling you that. Why am I hammering that? Because if you don't believe that or know that, you'll settle for a, a carnal cultural Christian life. You will, because we live in a day of cultural Christianity where people are content having acknowledged Christ in a moment, but not carrying his nature and his conduct and enjoying the depth of intimacy that he purchased us for. We, we do, guys. And I feel like an unction, like, like my Bible says that God has fixed a day in which he will judge the living and the dead. Like he's coming back and I feel this burn in my heart. Like, man, I want, I want as many sons and daughters intimate and close to him as possible because there is a world that needs to be reconciled to our daddy and the only way our the, our world is going to be reconciled to our daddy is if your countenance becomes like his countenance because you can't fake countenance i can tell you can tell when god lives inside of somebody because their countenance displays the glory of god and they carry themselves as a son and as a daughter of god that's that's our that's our aim so look at this. We have those two things, redemption and forgiveness. Now, now those two things that He gave us in Christ are according to the riches of His grace. So He, he gives us according to the riches of His grace. Now watch this. This is so cool. So He's rich in grace, and He wasn't stingy with it because it says He lavished it upon us. Lavish. What's lavish? When you think of lavish, do you think of like the bare necessities? You think of extra, right? You think of above and beyond, like over the top. So it's like, hey, here's just enough grace. The lavishness of grace is like way more than you need. Okay. Now, when I think of lavish, I don't necessarily think of like, that's wise. Like how many of you here, like if we, if I had you here and like we, we like, well, we want this to be nice. And so we paved everything in gold and like we spent like millions of dollars. Like how many of you would be like, you might have could have used your money better than that. Be honest. Like if you walked in here and this, this joint was like decked out in gold and like, you know, we had the night, you know, filet mignons for breakfast. You'd be like, you'd be like, dude, this is a little much. Like I'm not even hungry. <laughs> right. Like, like how's your ministry budget? You know what I'm saying? And you'd be like, hey, like. What's the deal? Like, you wouldn't necessarily call me wise for doing that. True? Because we have, we don't have the mind of God. Look at this. Look at this. He lavished us in all wisdom and insight. 
So now, now here's here's the kicker. We have presented the gospel. This is this is this is where we're going to close today. We have presented the gospel, and this is where we need a revival in, in the church. Help us, Lord. We've presented the gospel as redemption and forgiveness. But I want you to see this. Redemption and forgiveness according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, verse 9, was to make known to us something. And it was to make known to us the mystery of His will. What do I mean? I mean that redemption and forgiveness and the grace and the wisdom was God's way of saying, hey, I'm going to give you this to tell you something, to reveal something that was not known. There's, there's a message hidden in the gift that's the mystery of His will. What's His will? The will is the deepest desire of God. When I, when I read the will of God, I, re, I reveal like it's what's, it's what's deep in His heart. It's a desire. Don't think robotic like, oh, this is the will of God. Think like this is His deepest passion and desire. His will. Like this is the seed of His desire. He says, guys, I gave you my son. I redeemed you. I forgave you. I gave you all my grace according to my wisdom and insight because I wanted to tell you a secret about my heart. That's what Paul's saying. He goes, I wanted to reveal a mystery that has not been known for generations past. Why? Because it's been veiled to you. You've been blinded to it ever since the garden. And this is the mystery of his will. Watch this. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. This is it. To unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth. That's the mystery of God's will now revealed through His Son to unite union all things in Jesus. So so picture this. The core heartbeat of the gospel, when you go to the lost, when you're thinking about even your relationship with God, the, the driving engine behind all of it, behind this entire study, is this burning passion in the heart of God. I want to be one with you. I'm not satisfied being separate from you. I'm not content. God's not content being apart from you. That, that is the engine in the fiery center of the gospel is that there is a God in heaven, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, I have to be close to you. I have to be one with you. And that now through the Son, through the works of Jesus, we see that plan unfold. We see, we see how he goes about making the human heart his dwelling place. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? If you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it with a friend and maybe even go through this series together with some friends. There's something really powerful that happens when you walk together with your community and you dive into the truth of the gospel together. So we'd encourage you to do that. And we hope you stay tuned for next week. Be blessed.